0: Take your copy of God's Word this morning, if you would, and turn again to uh, Psalm 1. And uh, we're looking at Psalm 1 here during the month of November, talking about the blessed life.
1: Psalm
0: 1. Years ago, a couple who had gone to China as missionaries, uh, they found themselves there after the communists had taken over China at the end of the Second World War. Their last name was uh, Matthews, and they were actually the last missionaries of the China Inland Mission to escape from that country. And uh, they were under communism for two years, at which time they lived with their young daughter Lila in a small room, and the only furniture that they had was a stool. That's the only furniture they had was a stool. They could not contact their Christian friends because they feared getting them in trouble, Uh, With the communists. And except for the smallest trickle, uh, their funds were cut off by the government. He came from a small stove where they uh, lit it once a day uh, so they could boil some rice for dinner. And the only fuel they could come up with was um, dried animal refuse that Art Matthews would go out and collect from the streets to fuel their little stove where they would boil uh, their rice, uh, these were indeed dry times for them, but afterward, when their testimony of god 's grace uh, was written, and think about the the privations that they had and all, um, the title of the book was "Green Leaf in Drought Time Green Leaf in Drought Time." You think about that, how in the world could you describe such horrible conditions? as a green leaf in drought times. Well, the answer lies in our passage before us here in Psalm 1. And I want to read it again. And I told you last time that I'm reading this because many of us memorized it this way and learned it. I'm reading it from the King James this morning where it says in Psalm 1, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Last time we looked at verse 1 and we learned the lesson that we need to be careful. We need to be careful uh, as to who we listen to because there are a lot of messages and a lot of things coming our way and a lot of those messages are not in line with God's word and God's will. And we said at the end of our time last time that we needed a filter, as it were, to help us with all of these messages coming all these things coming at us to filter out the good from the bad. And that filter, beloved, is the Word of God. The Spirit of God takes the Word of God and helps us to properly filter all the messages, the words, the things that we're bombarded with on a daily basis. But you know what I found? When it comes to a filter, it only works when it's installed. doesn't matter what kind of filter we're talking about. Whether it's a furnace filter or a water filter or an oil filter, until they are installed, they do not work. You can go to the auto parts place this afternoon and you can buy an oil filter and you can put it in your back seat and drive around for the next 3,000 miles or 5,000 miles and you know what? That filter will not profit you at all. It's just going to rattle around in your back seat. It's not until you actually install it on the engine that it's going to make a difference. But that's often how we treat our Bible. You know, we buy a we buy a new Bible, maybe a big old study Bible, and we uh, we bring it home and we're excited about our Bible and we get it out and we start looking at. And if you're like me, you just sit around and say, look. You just smell it, just let it, it just smells good and it feels good and you begin to look at it and you see the notes and you get excited about it and you bring it to church the first time, you know, your big Bible and you come in and, and you kind of walk in and you got your big Bible with you and, and you bring it and the preacher gets up and he calls our, oh wait, Sunday school first, right? See my new Bible? Right. And then you come into church and you're excited about the new Bible. But it seems like that that kind of wears off after a while. And and I've even seen that some people treat that uh, their Bibles kind of like we talked about the oil filter. They they throw them back up in the back of their car. You ever seen a baked Bible in the back of a car and it swells and it gets bigger and bigger. We treat God's Word like that sometimes. We don't install it into our lives. And we wonder, why are we so dry spiritually? Why do we get so discouraged? Why do we struggle so much with sin? Why does God seem so distant at times? Well, beloved, the lesson for us today is clear. And we think about these next two verses, verses 2 and 3, and that is we need to fill our lives with the Word of God. We need to fill our lives with the Word of God. The psalmist says talking about the godly man, the blessed man, that his delight, verse 2, is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And so in verse 1, he tells us what he does not do. He does not listen to the ungodly counsel and advice and instruction from the sinners. But here in verse 2, he tells us what he does do. He delights in God's Word. He meditates on God's Word day and night. He thinks upon God's Word constantly it's his delight his pleasure his satisfaction and that would of course carry with the idea of reading it and studying it and obeying it and you just got to be honest today and I want, you to, I want you to answer out loud but think about it for a moment is the word of God is it a delight to you or is it a drudgery is it a delight or is it a drudgery is it a have to well I got to teach tomorrow Sunday school I've got to get in the Word. I've got to leave this. I've got to do it. I've got to teach Wednesday night at Teen Kid. Is it a have to or is it a get to? I get to get into God's Word today. I get to study my Bible. I get to read the Bible. You see, if it is a drudgery, if it is a have to instead of a get to, one of the reasons why that might be the case is because you have been busy and I have been busy feasting on what the world is has to offer, and so it's a, well, impacted our appetite for a little bit. You know, the Bible is likened to food. It, it talks about the Bible as like milk. Uh, it, it, it compares itself to meat. It, it describes it as honey. But you take a child and uh, you let that child have all of the candy and junk food that they want. M&M's and Snickers and, and Mountain Dew and, boy, Reese Cups, aren't they good? And you just say, hey, listen... You just let them have all that you want and have chips and everything you want and uh, just enjoy yourself. And then let's say you let them feast on it. About ten minutes later, you sit them down for a good meal of roast beef and potatoes and onions and carrots. You know what's going to happen? What are they going to say? I'm not hungry. I, I don't want to eat. Ew. Why? Because they filled themselves up on the junk. And because they filled themselves up on the junk, they have no appetite whatsoever for that which is good and nutritious and wholesome and that will actually help them in their life. And how many times are we like that, beloved? We fill ourselves up with the world's junk and we take all this time and we look at all these TVs and movies and all these things. We just constantly just take it in. And then it says, you know what, it's Bible time. Well, you know what, I don't really feel like reading my Bible. I don't have an appetite for the Word of God. And so that's one of the reasons we struggle at times. Another reason we struggle, I think, with uh, taking in our Bible is because we don't realize just what it will do for us in our life. We don't realize what a blessing it is. Look at the text. It says there in verse uh, number 3 that this blessed man, this godly man, could be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit this season whose leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he does shall prosper. Now, When it talks about meditating on the Word and these blessed benefits, uh, the word meditation may bring to your mind some really weird things. It may bring to your mind the idea of you getting in a position that you really can't get into very easily. And if you were able to get into that position, the truth of the matter is you couldn't get out of it. And you'd have to call for help. Because we think about meditation, people think about you're you're there and you're, you're chanting mantras or you're doing all these kinds of things and you're emptying your mind. But beloved, that's not what it's talking about here when it says the godly man, the godly woman, meditates on the Word of God. You see, it's not an idea of emptying your mind. To meditate on the Word of God means to fill your mind with the Word of God. Not empty it, but fill it up with the Word of God. And the great thing about it is you can meditate on the Bible, whether you're working or driving, when you're going to sleep at night, when you're waking up in the morning, when you're taking a shower, and you're putting up your makeup, when you're fixing your hair. You see, to meditate means to think intently upon, and it often helps to really get familiar with the passage, even memorize it. And so, for instance, you might want to meditate on Psalm one, and so you begin memorizing it, and you begin saying, "Blessed is the man," and so you're just working on that one. "Blessed is the man." Blessed. Is Blessed is the man. You think about the idea of being blessed. You begin to kind of meditate on it. It has the idea, and I know we're out in the country, so this is helpful. It has the idea of the cow chewing the cud. Now, I'll show you that. Some of you want to go to Chick-fil-A, but hey, they're closed today. So anyway, uh, the cow chewing the cud. And, And it's not a pleasant idea, but you know what a cow does? They eat, and then they swallow, and then they burp up that grass... And they chew it again. And they want to get all the moisture out of that. And that's the idea of meditating. It's the idea of chewing on it, of thinking on it, of running it through our minds, of spending time really, really pondering the Word of God to mull over the Scripture. In my study, I found that the words mull and mill and meal all come from the same Old English word meaning to pulverize corn in a grinder. And so it's the idea of, if you will, pondering pulverizing it in the millstones of your mind of getting everything you can out of the Word of God. Daryl likes to use the word ponderize. He'll sometimes say that to me around here. The Hebrew word, by the way, for meditate here is the imperfect tense. Isn't that a blessing? Aren't you glad you came today to hear that? What does that mean? Well, it just simply means this. It means continuous action. It means ongoing action. It means you don't just meditate once. It means that you continually think about it. You continually meditate upon it. In fact, that word in the Hebrew it means to murmur, to murmur, to speak, to study, to talk, to utter. It's the idea of keeping the word of God on our minds and our hearts and and our lips. Uh, meditation includes audible recitation, they tell me. That is speaking God's Word aloud. And so you might be just saying, blessed is the man that walketh not. And so you're meditating. It's you're coming out your lips. It's on your heart. It's on your mind. Now think about it. If you keep the Word of God in your heart, memorized, in your mouth speaking it, in your mind meditating upon it, do you see how it becomes a filter to protect you from all the false voices that are screaming at you every? single day. Why? Because you're busy meditating on the word and you've got the truth and the spirit of God who indwells every believer takes the word of God and helps us to know the will of God and the ways of God. Now, listen, your spiritual growth will never rise above your Bible engagement, your time in the word of God. If you're going to grow spiritually, if you're going to grow in your Christian life. You've got to be taking in the Word of God. So let's examine ourselves. Ask yourself this question: How much? Ask yourself this question: How much am I really interacting with the Word of God? How much am I really interacting with the Word of God? Now you can already say, "Listen, I'm in church this morning." Maybe you're here for Sunday school, so you you've taken in the Word in Sunday school. You're taking in the Word right now, but what about the rest of the time? Maybe you come on Wednesday nights. But are you, throughout the week, interacting with the Word of God? Are you taking it in? I said we need to fill our lives with the Word of God. Let me tell you about another missionary. His name was Jeffrey Bull. Um, He was a British missionary to Tibet. He was captured and imprisoned by the Chinese communists, and they took his possessions from him. Uh, They threw him in a series of prisons and even robbed him of his Bible, and his captors seemed determined to make the missionary suffer. And for three years, he faced extreme temperatures. He faced miserable physical conditions. He faced bodily abuse and starvation. He was subjected to such mental and psychological torture that he feared himself that he would go insane. That's how much he suffered at the hands of his captors. And so you say, well, how did he keep his peace? How did he keep his sanity? How did he keep his mind? He had no Bible. He couldn't open it up. He couldn't read it. He couldn't have it there in his hands. But he studied the Bible all of his life. So you know what he did? He began to systematically go over the Scripture in his mind. And he found that it took him about six months to go all the way through the Bible mentally. And so here's what he did. Lying on his mat, he would start at Genesis. Genesis. And as best he could, he would recall every single story and incident from the beginning of Genesis throughout the book. And then he would concentrate on that, and he would muse on certain points, and he would seek light in prayer and call out to God, and he would continue from Genesis to Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, And on He would go and He would reconstruct the books and the chapters as best He could. Then He got to the end of the Old Testament. Then He went into the New Testament. Started in Matthew and went through the New Testament to Revelation. And then when He got to the end, He started all over again. Here's what He later wrote. He said, The strength received through this meditation was, I believe, a vital factor in bringing me through kept by faith. To the very end. End quote. Now, let me ask you something. It's a humbling question. Some of you have been in church all of your life. You were blessed you had a mom or a dad or grandma and grandpa. They brought you to church. Maybe you're here from Cradle Roll or you're in church from Cradle Roll. And you a member. you grew up in church and you grew up in Sunday school and you grew up maybe in RAs or GAs or mission friends or you're in Tinkin or whatever. And you, your life, you, all you've known, you've known church and you've known the Bible. And maybe you read Bible stories. Uh, as a child, you're taught to pray. But think about how much of the Word of God do you really know? Let me ask you a question. How far would you get if you had to reconstruct the Bible beginning in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1 from memory? How far would you get? Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I think, boy, well, get, get, get to know my Bible. But then I ask that question. And I think, my Word, do I really know my Bible at all? Now listen, I'm not here to discourage you. I'm not here to beat you up. I'm here to challenge you and challenge me to think upon the Word of God constantly, to meditate on the Word, just to fill our lives with the Word of God. Why? Because I want to bless you. Because we're talking about the blessed life. And I want you to consider the benefits, Beloved. Consider the benefits of such a practice. Verse 3 says, He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit to season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. He, that is the blessed man, implied the blessed woman, who delights in the Word and meditates on the Word day and night. Look at the blessed benefits. They're likened to a tree. Likened to a tree. Now, when you study it out, beloved, because of the mostly arid... Terrain of Israel, such a, a lush tree serves as a fitting symbol of blessing in the Old Testament. It's a tree. And it's not just a tree that's there that popped up on its own. It says it's like a tree planted, literally transplanted. Planted by God Himself. A reminder of our salvation. Planted by God. Let me just ask you, by the way, has God planted you has there ever been a time in your life where you recognize that you 're a sinner and your sin separates you from a holy God, but God loves you so much that He sent Christ to die in your place and take your sin upon himself. He who knew no sin became sin for you, became sin for me, and the Bible says that he, he gave his body upon that tree, shed his precious blood on the cross, and he was Buried and He arose again victorious. The Bible says that if you'll repent of your sin, turn from your sin and place your faith in Jesus Christ, thou shalt be born again. He'll forgive you of your sin and give you a home in heaven and a peace and a joy that you can receive no other way. And so, beloved, I want to ask you today, do you know the Lord Jesus as your Savior? Have you been planted by God? Well, here we are. It says some more of the benefits here. transplanted. In fact, Matthew 15, 30, the Lord Jesus says, He answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. And so He's like a tree. He's like a tree that's planted. Now notice where it's planted. It's planted by the rivers of Water. That's the idea of abundance. Not just a little water, not just a stream of water, not just a trickle of water, but rivers of water, abundant. And it brings forth its fruit and its season. You know, fruit has seasons, right? If you don't believe me, go to the grocery store and try to find some fruit right now that's good and certain fruit is hard to find. Well, what kind of fruit do we have? Galatians five twenty-two and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. Peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Now, notice the leaves of this tree and we're almost done. It says they shall not wither. They shall not wither. They shall not shrivel up. Remember the missionaries of the opening story? That are busy cooking their little bit of rice on their stove with animal refuse. With just a stool for the furniture. That's why they could call the story Green Leaf in Drought Time. See, they were well watered by the Word of God. Notice the prosperity here. It says, whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. They don't think health and wealth. Don't think uh, fancy suits and dresses and, and uh, uh, limousines and those sorts of things. Uh, prosperity there means the idea of making steady, favorable progress. To, to truly succeed. Uh, now that seems like a big promise, you know, that whatever you do, does that mean, preacher, there'll be no problems and no issues? No. Remember, this is Psalm 1. This is the gateway to the Psalms. If you keep reading, you'll come to Psalm 3. <laughs> and so Psalm 1, you said, what shall we do if shall prosper? Psalm 3, verse 1 says, Lord, how may have increased who troubled me. Many are they who rise up against me. Here in Psalm 1, he's painting with a broad brush. But it's the idea of true prosperity, truly succeeding in what matters in life. That is doing the will of God. I love the picture of the blessed man here. Um, One man by the name of David, Ralph David, he summarized it this way. The righteous man has stability. He's planted. Vitality by the streams of water. Productivity gives its fruit. Durability, durability does not wither, and prosperity, all that he does, shall prosper. Kind of reminds me of Psalm 92, verses 12 through 14. Psalm 92, 12 through 14 says, The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree, he shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. The King James has fat and flourishing. And that's a picture of the person who is filled with the Word of God. Now, realizing all these benefits, why would we choose not to think about the Word of God constantly? Why would we choose to ignore our Bibles and not give time to the Word of God? Well, it's costly. It means some things will have to be set aside in our lives. You have to make time to spend the Word of God. It may mean there needs to be some things in our schedules that are restructured. It may mean that some priorities need to be rearranged in order to make time for the Word of God But can I just tell you, beloved, it it is a price worth paying. It was 1927, John Sung, he boarded a ship from the United States, and he was bound for Shanghai. And uh, Sung had been in the States for more than seven years. And during that seven years, he had earned three degrees, including a Ph.D. And as the ship neared its destination, John Sung, you know what he did? He threw all of his diplomas, all of his medals, all of his fraternity keys overboard. The only thing he kept was his doctorate degree because he wanted to show it to his father. You see, he had received the Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior. And John's son was determined to spend the rest of his life living only for that which counted for eternity. And through his ministry, many, many people living in East, And Southeast Asia came to know Christ through his evangelistic ministry. You see, John Sung realized what was really important. It wasn't degrees. By the way, there's nothing wrong with degrees. Nothing wrong with them. But John Sung realized it was the Word of God. It was the Gospel. It was getting out the good news that Jesus saved that really mattered. And he had determined to spend the rest of his life doing that. And he did. And beloved, can I just say to you this morning, we need to settle this in our lives as well. That we must, we must fill our lives with the Word of God. It's not enough. Now listen, it's not enough. I'm glad you're here. You ought to be here. I ought to be here. The church is God's idea, not my idea. Not your idea. Not man's idea. But it's not enough just to come once in a while. It's not enough just to say, well, I'm going to come 30 minutes. We've got to fill our minds with the Word of God. Because it's what's truly going to bring about the blessing in our life. So I want to challenge you to really, really consider your life and be real honest before the Lord and say, Lord, as I look at my life, what am I spending my time doing? I could tell you all the sports scores and I could tell you where every team is standing and I could tell you what what episode we're on in my favorite drama and I could do all these things. I know all the words all the songs. But what about the Word of God? Am I filling my heart, my mind, my life with the Word of God? If you're going to be really blessed, you need to fill your life with the Word of God. It's a filter that will help you. And it's a guide. It says, it's a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Let's bow together. Your head is bowed, your eyes is closed. You've been so attentive today. Thank you for that. Real quickly, while your head is bowed, your eyes closed, do you know Jesus Christ is your Savior? Are you certain? Do you know beyond the shadow of a doubt today that if you were to die this moment, you'd open your eyes in heaven? If not, I encourage you today to turn from your sin and place your faith in Christ. In a moment, we're going to have an invitation time. I'll be down at the front. We'd love to talk with you more about the Lord Jesus and the gospel. Now, brother and sister in Christ, before we pray, this message has been primarily for us. And I want to, before I pray, I want to give you a moment to talk to the Lord and ask the Holy Spirit to look at your life Just be real honest and say, Lord, where does the Bible rank in my priorities? How much time am I really spending in the Word? And what needs to change in my life that I might spend more time in the Word? So I'm going to give you just a moment for you to do business with God. And then I'll pray and then we'll sing. Father, we adore you today. We thank you for the word. We know there are many who do not have a verse of scripture in their own language. And yet we are drowning in Bibles and Bible knowledge and Bible teaching. Lord, may we take advantage of these good gifts you've given to us. And may we fill our hearts and our minds and our homes, and our family, with the very word of God. Work in this invitation. I pray. i may give you glory in advance. What you're doing and are going to do, in Jesus' name, Amen. Two hundred and sixty-one. Sing them over again to me. Wonderful words of life. <clears throat> Let me more of your beauty. See wonderful words of life. Words of life and beauty. Teach me faith and beauty beautiful words the, the altar's is open if you need to be saved today we'd love to talk with you you want to just come and pray about something the altar's open. is open we'll help you if know you desire 261 let's stand